Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to you each morning at about 9 a.m. Central Time. Uh, so make plans to join us here. The readings this week will deal with our two readings from, uh, well, our two uh, catechism selections. That is um, the Fifth Commandment and the Sixth Commandment. So uh, today and tomorrow will be Fifth Commandment. Thursday and Friday will be Sixth Commandment. Wednesday we'll uh, recognize in the morning and celebrate in the evening Holy Cross Day. All right. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. New memory verse for this week, Mark 10. From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Mark 10, verses 6 through 8a. Probably today, culturally, uh, one of the most offensive things that Jesus has said. (laughs) It seems astounding to me, and maybe to you as well, that this would be such an offensive statement. Uh, But here Jesus affirms, these are Jesus' own words, he affirms the testimony given by Moses, uh, by God through Moses, from Genesis, right? From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. That's it, male and female. That's how he made them, uh, from the beginning. And Jesus doesn't say, well, that's how it used to be, but now things have changed. No, he's saying this is present tense reality, right? And it has been since the beginning, from the beginning, all right? Um, So we have to ask the question, why why do we think things have changed now? Hmm? They haven't. For this reason, and this is why God made them male and female, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, right? So they're meant to complement each other. You see this in the story of creation, uh, Genesis chapter 2. Right, So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. So those who are given into marriage um, become one flesh, joined to each other. And what God has joined together, let man not separate. Right, Although sometimes it happens. Right, it's, But what, what Jesus is saying is that statement is that it is not good. Right, Jesus defines reality, not you. You don't get to define yourself. Jesus defines you. Right? And he does so by his word. And here, male and female. All right. Our psalm this week is Psalm 128. We pray it together. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Fifth commandment, you shall not murder. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. Sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do, and husband and wife love and honor each other. All right? So the first has to do with life. The second, or excuse me, fifth commandment has to do with life. The sixth commandment has to do with marriage All right, and family. Um, God makes commands to protect us from ourselves. <laughs> you heard about quite a bit about this yesterday in the sermon, right? Um, he does not give a commandment that you may live. He gives a commandment to accuse you of your wrongdoing, right? To show you where you have gone wrong for the sake of repentance and forgiveness of sins, right? And then God, by his spirit, through his word, restores to you uh, what you had abandoned, broken, destroyed, torn down, etc. All right? I might just say the mess that you have made of things. We'll hear about that here in our uh, reading for catechesis. But first, reading from Romans chapter 12. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfast steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It connects well with a statement I made on Facebook. By the way, when I post things on Facebook, I'm trying to get around the filters, um, but also engage you in thought, right? So sometimes I post rhetorical questions. Today was one of those, right? Um, If the job of the civil government, which is in Romans 13, is to um, punish the wrongdoers and to reward those who do good, who gets to define what is good and what is evil, right? And you have that statement here, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, evil is defined by that which is against God's word, right? Um, Which is unlovely. And so you see, uh, this kind of brotherly love is what is good, whereas rejecting love and rejecting faith would be evil, right? Faith in God's word. Right, so that's the that's the definition of it. Uh, unfortunately, today good and evil are kind of these arbitrary categories um, defined by those who would do so. I was reflecting on. Uh, really what is a completely asinine bill um, that was passed by the House and has been sent to the Senate, and supposedly the Senate is going to modify it somehow to make it more palatable. Um, But uh, it's saying that that the federal government recognizes um, whatever your state defines as marriage and then uh, requires other states to recognize it as well. So it's it's basically a, a loophole, or it's creating a large loophole where 
uh, all it takes is one state to say that marriage between multiple partners is legal, and then every state has to recognize that. Um, it's really an outrageous bill. And what we have there, of course, is we have the civil government legislating that which is evil, right, by way of law. Um, such law needs to be not only abandoned, um, but repudiated and uh, and in our case, utilize whatever tools we have available to us, um, our vote, letters, emails, uh, phone calls, um, even petitioning for redress, um, standing on the, on the cates and the steps of the, of the Congress, right, out in front of Congress and making our voices heard there. There's different ways to do it, um, but one way or another, we also work within our states, right, to nullify a federal law that would be unjust in such a way that would not respect the state's um, own laws. Right? There's many means to do so, um, but it's dependent upon us. Why? Because do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do what is right, according to God's word, defined as what is good for him. Right? Uh, when, when such a bill is presented, um, it, it is your duty as a citizen, actually, um, not only to reject, but also personally, but then also um, to teach others to do the same. All right. And of course, that's where he goes in Romans 13. Our reading for catechesis today is Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, shall you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. All right, there ends the reading. Before uh, we do our catechesis, I'll greet those of you in the chat. I see uh, Vicky has checked in on YouTube. Uh, welcome home. Don and Karen are on Facebook. Gus and Eileen are on Facebook. Mom's on Facebook. Lori as well. And Karen. All right. And all those who are watching and listening later in the day, welcome to you as well. So Cain murders his brother Abel. A famous story. and Also one we heard as our Old Testament reading just a couple weeks ago, right? Um, you'll note here at the beginning really what is an essential detail. Uh, it connects us right back with Genesis chapter 3, where God had promised to Eve uh, the offspring that would crush the serpent's head. All right? This is why there's such an emphasis in, in the male, especially firstborn male, 
offspring or seed. What are they looking forward to? The coming Savior, the coming Savior. Now, um, not surprising if you know the rest of the story, um, the the promised offspring comes by way of the line of Seth, Abel being dead and Cain being exiled, fugitive. All right. So the thirdborn son ends up being uh, the seed line from Eve. Good. All right. To, so to whom did Eve give birth first? His name is Cain, all right? Uh, Eve's words literally mean, the translation here, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Um, the from is implied, um, but it could be excluded. So it could mean, he, you could just translate it, I have gotten a man, the Lord, right? Luther goes that route. Uh, I like Luther's suggestion. Many don't, but I, I think Luther is onto something here. I'm suggesting perhaps that um, Eve believed that Cain was the promised savior. Uh, question in the chat, Abel had no children? Yes, that is correct. Abel died before uh, marriage and children. Uh, Cain, on the other hand, his lineage is described later in, in chapter four. So you can go read that. Eve's, um, excuse me, then we have, uh, yeah, we have Eve thinking that he is the Lord. And then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. All right. Uh, and maybe some time passed. It's hard to know. Um, I like the picture, uh, the depiction I showed you before where, where um, Cain is quite a bit older than his brother Abel. All right. I think that could be suggested here. We have two vocations listed. Abel is a keeper of sheep, a shepherd. And Cain, a tiller of the ground, or a farmer, right? Uh, what kind of offering did Cain bring? An offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord, right? Abel's offering of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat. Now, I think there can be a suggestion here that Abel is um, giving the better of the two sacrifices. Uh, Abel's being firstborn, and Cain um, is not indicated that it's the first harvest or something. Uh, but there's probably something more going on here, especially as we understand this according to Hebrews 11, right? Where the distinction is made that one is giving um, out of duty or obligation or under demand or duress. That would be Cain. Abel, on the other hand, is giving by faith, right? And maybe that's indicated by the quality of their offerings, but maybe not, right? Uh, Hebrews explains that to us. Hebrews 11, you can see that. Um, although Abel's offering is, this is not the first time that there's been an offering of animals as a sacrifice. And uh, maybe that's also something that indicates the difference here of quality between the two. The sacrifice in Genesis 3, 21, God actually makes garments of, um, he takes garments of skin and makes clothing for Adam and Eve. Well, how would he do that unless he had sacrificed those animals and their blood had been shed um, in order to cover the sins of Adam and Eve? as is evident by their clothing. This is why Jesus makes sacrifice for us, and then we are clothed, we are washed clean in his blood and clothed in his righteousness, draws us all the way back to the first Adam and God's sacrifice uh, for Adam and Eve's sin. Hmm? All right, why was Cain angry? Well, because God did not respect Cain in his offering, right? You see that in verse 5, right? So, who's he angry with? <laughs> He's angry with God, right? And God gives him kind of a... Uh, what do you want to say? Some instruction, right? God has actually revealed the sin in Cain's heart, um, and that's why he's actually angry. And instead of taking it out on God, he takes it out on one of God's, um, on on the life of, of Abel, right? So it is a rebellion against God because God gave him Abel, his brother. Hmm. Look at verse 9. 
God's question here is very interesting. Where is Abel your brother? Right? Does God know? It's rhetorical, right? God knows. So what what does he um the, well this actually sounds familiar even. The same question is asked back in Genesis 3, right? God is in the garden and he says um he says to Adam, "Where are you?" right? Where are you? And of course Adam is hiding among the trees of the garden. Hmm. Uh, well, so what is this suggesting that God wanted Cain to do, just like with Adam? Neither of them do, by the way. Simply to confess his sins, right? To repent. Not yet, anyway. Um, then he has this statement, right? And I don't think it's a metaphor. I think it's, well, it's something different, right? What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. All right now, Abel's dead. So what does it mean that his blood is crying out? So the blood of Abel was taken unjustly and uh, demands God's retribution, right, on the killer, so that the killer would also return to the dust as Abel did, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you know, Hammurabi's code, um, largely reflecting actually what God says to Noah in, in Genesis 9. Listen to this, right? So this is right from the beginning. Noah's family, eight souls and all, Again, from the re-beginning, I, su- I suppose, the life after the flood, he says, I have given you all things, even as green herbs, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Right? You can eat flesh of animals now, but not with the blood. The blood must be drained. Surely, for your lifeblood, I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast, I will require it, and from the hand of, of a man. For the hand of every man's brother, I will require from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. And then there's kind of a liturgical statement here. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. See? One to one. For in the image of God he made man, and as for you, be fruitful and multiply, and bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply in it. All right? So capital punishment right there. Um, actually instituted by God from creation. Mm-hmm probably not a popular opinion, but there it is, right? You take a man's life, you forfeit your own life, blood for blood. It's only on God to show mercy, right? Which is also important. So that's what this means. Abel's blood for vengeance uh, for our, how's it go? Uh, Glory be to Jesus, right? I know I can never get the stanza quite right, so I always have to look it up here. 440, I think. Oh no, 433. Glory be to Jesus, who in bitter pains poured for me the lifeblood from his sacred veins. See where it's going? Grace and life eternal in that blood I find. Blessed be his compassion, infinitely kind. Everything's attached to the shedding of blood, right? Blessed through endless ages be the precious stream, which from endless torment did the world redeem, right? So think the spear piercing his side. Abel's blood for vengeance pleaded to the skies but the blood of Jesus for our pardon or forgiveness cries. Yeah. Abel's offering, uh, his offering of the, of the animal was for atonement, but the sacrifice of Abel's blood could only bring death. Defresh says the flood is the real great reset. Actually, um, I've made this argument that uh, much of what we see from the idealists, the technocrats, the utopians, 
uh, whether they be Marxist or fascist or whatever label you want to put on them, globalist, it doesn't matter. Um, they're all actually co-opting um, God's word and then trying to play God in God's place to do what, uh, to mimic God and thereby think that they can actually um, be gods themselves. So, uh, Mr. Schwab, there's actually a great interview where they break down his entire history and why he is who he is. People know his name now, but he's been around, uh, I think he's 86, so he's been around a long time. You know, not quite as long as the Queen, but uh, but thereabouts, right? Um, he, he talks about um, walking uh, between the border of uh, Germany and, uh, or Schwabia and uh, Austria, much like in uh, Sound of Music, um, you know, at the, at the end of the, towards the end of the war. Anyway, um, yes, this is what, this is what the demons do. This is what Satan does. Um, and this is what those possessed by demonic ideology do, do in our world as they, uh, co-opt or copy God and they, but they think to, to be God in God's place. Right. And, and actually that ties in really well with Cain. I mean, cause it's not Cain's job to take life, to give life or to take life. Right. Um, only insofar as God gives life or God takes away. Think um, Job 19, right? The Lord gives, the Lord, I think it's 19. Well, I don't know, it's Job anyway. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? All right. Um, ultimately, whose blood must fall to the ground? Not Abel, but whose blood must fall to the dust to atone for all sin? Yeah. It's Jesus' blood that will be swallowed up by the earth, right? And bring life. Um, what's the curse that God places on Cain in verse 12? When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. And thus he would end up being a restless wanderer, if you like, a vagabond and fugitive. All right. Um, that's God's own word to him. You'll see Cain then ends up doing other things like building cities, um, ironwork, I think. Um, musicians come out of Cain. Um, I forget the fourth thing. You can go look in Genesis 4. It describes what the sons of Cain uh, are responsible for. It's kind of the wisdom or knowledge, the innovation that they come up with, which is then carried forth even through Noah into the um, the recreation there, that little recreation. Cain actually now confesses. I don't know if you noticed this, but he says, um, you know, he agrees with the declaration of the Lord. Surely you have, surely you have, right? Driven me from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and vagabond. Right? But then he adds to it uh, what he suspects is a consequence. Now, again, adding to God's word is always a dangerous game. Uh, we saw this with Adam and Eve in the garden. Eve, or rather Adam, takes God's word, as we heard it in Genesis 1 and beginning in chapter 2, and it seems as if he's taught Eve, uh, he's, he's lack, it lacks the same precision. There's a slight addition when, when Eve is being tempted, when she echoes God's word. There's a slight addition. Maybe it's immaterial, maybe not. There's also a change in verb tense, which uh, I don't think is immaterial. I think that's all important. As the, that's Satan's um, attack vector, is to just slightly turn things a kilter. And actually, Cain is doing it here too. Whoever finds me will kill me. Right? Now, God has not said that. Um, that might be a consequence. Right, so here God actually provides him with a promise, right? Because only God is the author of life and death, and so He says that anyone who kills Cain would be avenged seven times, sevenfold, right? And that the Lord put a mark on Cain to protect his life, right? Of course, that's brilliant for us. God has put His mark on us too to protect our life, 
the sign of the Holy Cross, which we'll talk about on, on Wednesday, which marks us as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. Uh, so again, go look at the rest of chapter four as you have leisure to do so. Uh, what you'll find afterwards with the family of Cain is that, uh, especially somebody like Lamech, man, what a what a nasty dude. Um, he just boasts in the amount of people that he kills, right? Um, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold, right? So re- go check that out. It's quite quite intense. Oh, here I can see what the um, other things were. Let's see. We had tents. We have livestock. We have so domesticated animals. We have bronze and iron. We have harp and flute. And then we have cities. Okay. Oh, that's the tents. Yes, the cities. So... Summary then, God is the living God who gives life. After promising salvation through the seed of the woman, God placed the curse of death upon Adam. Eve believed Cain would be the seed who would deliver them from death, but instead he became the instrument of death. Indeed, it was Abel, a shepherd who is the picture of Jesus, the good shepherd. Jesus would be murdered by his brothers, but his blood pleads for mercy upon us before the Father's throne. Through his blood, he offers the inheritance of life instead of the inheritance of death. The command not to murder is the result of the true confession that God is the God of the living. As God gives life, so it is God who will take it away. We are to confess the sanctity of life that is the worth of human life is based on the fact that God created it, as opposed to the modern view of the quality of life that measures the worth of human life by how comfortable um, and happy people are. Or you might dare say just how convenient life is. Hmm? That's is, We are opposed to that. God is the author and giver of life. We even say that in the creed every week in case you forgot. <laughs> God the Holy Spirit, author and giver of life. Uh, and of course, that's referring to new life. That is faith in Christ as well. All right. Our new hymn this week is uh, Draw Us to the, not really a hard hymn, um, pretty simple one for us to sing. So let's do that. to thee that also 
me, my heavenly bliss inherit, and ever dwell, where sin and hell no more can vex our spirit. Draw us to thee unceasingly, into thy kingdom take us. Let us forever thy glory share, thy saints and joint heirs make us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us our sins against the fifth commandment. Strengthen our faith in Jesus so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of marriage where you join together a man and a woman in love for each other. And when it is your will to become a father and a mother, strengthen our faith in Jesus so that we lead a pure and decent life in what we say and do and grow to be faithful husbands and wives who love and honor our spouses. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray the collect for this week. Almighty and everlasting God, give us an increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you have promised, make us love what you have commanded. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for all vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray with those who celebrate their birthday, yesterday Michael, and today Olivia. We pray for those who celebrate their baptism, yesterday Len, and today Olivia. We pray for the households of our church, especially this week with Susie, Doug, Dolores, Shirley, Jerry and Marla, Wayne and Mary. We pray in Thanksgiving um, at the blessing and installation of our teachers yesterday with full accreditation by NLSA, presented to the congregation again yesterday. Continue to give thanks to God for the confirmation of Matthew and the reception of Maureen into our membership. We pray for our catechumens, both in day school and after school. We pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Joe, Kelsey, Dan, Brad, Ron, Betty, and Heidi. Pray for those homebound, Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, Paul, and Pauline. We pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially that of Anchor of Hope. And we pray in intercession for comfort in adversity and true peace of conscience. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things, Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit 
be with you all. Amen. Good. So it's been a joy to have you with us here today. I know it's maybe not the most uh, uplifting task <laughs> to study murder. Uh, of course, we have the first murder there from Cain. There's many more to follow, um, which you can read through the scriptures. But we'll also talk tomorrow about the opposite of, of murder, but to help and care for our body, our neighbor and his body. And um, while it wasn't the emphasis of our preaching yesterday, yesterday the emphasis was on how Christ is our good Samaritan. Um, we are going to hear that um, Jesus then does set before us as Christians uh, who live by the Spirit, the exam- his example um, of caring for that man who was in the ditch, uh, left for dead, beaten and robbed, um, how he cares for that man in his body. And that that is true, that we should, <laughs> but do we, right? Of course, that's the nature of the sermon yesterday. We hear that uh, it's only by God's giving um, that we even begin to... Um, to keep God's law and fulfill it, all right? And I think that's important as we're studying these commandments. We've been, we did one, two, three, and four. Now we're in five and six this week. We have a few more weeks to get through all 10 that we recognize that um, we cannot, we can't take any credit for keeping um, the Lord's commands, but it is only by his spirit working the new man in us, that is Christ Jesus, by, by whom we do anything that could be considered good, righteous, holy, pure, um, and true. All right. So always give God the glory um, for whatever you see that is good in your life. And uh, then you're in the right spot, right? Humility. Humility and in faith. All right. So you're welcome, Don. It's good to have you. And I uh, hope to see you again tomorrow. God be, God be with you all. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.